Welcome back to the Movie Babble Podcast. This week you've got myself, and I'm joined by Brennan as we talk about kind of the nothingness going on at the box office still, as well as some of Netflix's top movies, including one of our favorites that made the list this week, and followed by just some of what we've been watching. And uh, you can ch- now check us out online at just moviebabble.com. Um, you can still check us out on at Movie Babble Reviews, but that's not as cool or as catchy. Um, but yeah, check us out at moviebabble.com. Uh, where we've got more written content and podcasts like this. But other than that, let's go ahead and jump in. So the box office still pretty much doesn't exist. Some theaters are opening up a little bit across the country. I know a lot of drive-ins have opened up at this point. Uh, I know for me personally, there's a just like a little mom and pop, one of a kind theater chain. I think it's like a four, four maybe five screen theater opening up this week. Um, but I don't think we'll really see any big theaters start to open up until the chains can do so nationally just all at once um so there's really not a ton going on but there is still a little bit going on in the box office um just because you do have some of those smaller theaters that are open and in places where you know they didn't really go into a full national shutdown uh you still have small stuff like that popping up so the wretched is it a five-week rain um, which is kind of the first movie to really have a top number one spot since Birds of Prey, uh, which feels like years ago, but was back in February. Uh, so now The Wretched pulled in, um, you know, obviously it's not going to be pulling in million dollar weekends, but it's, you know, pulled in a daily of over 20,000 on Thursday. Um, and it's just pulling in a little bit, even if it's not pulling in anything great, sitting at about 335,000 overall. Yeah, and I mean, this is a movie that uh, I don't know too much about it, but I feel like it's kind of odd that a movie like this is just kind of, I guess, doing as well as it's doing. I mean, um, I I guess it's just because there really is nothing out there to watch at the moment. Um, Funny, too, because you can kind of track the theater count for uh, The Wretched, and it's, it's, I don't really know too much the movie's about i know that there's a there's someone in it that has to face off against a witch or something like that i'm, I'm not too familiar but uh they're definitely capitalizing on being the only really available new option at theaters um but most of this is definitely drive-in so you go to like may 1st and uh this film was only in 12 theaters fast forward to may uh, 10 this it's up to 19 the week after that it's up to 21 and now officially with the memorial day weekend last weekend uh, it's up to about 59 uh, theaters. Um, so, I mean, drive-ins definitely are, are a big part of it. And as you said, yeah, it's made hundreds of thousands of dollars now. I mean, last weekend it was able to turn about um, 180 for Memorial Day. Um, it's just kind of weird. And as you said, it's it's, it's the first it's first place at the box office technically. And um, weirdly enough, it, it now has a five-week reign at the top of the box office. And... The last movie to have a five-week reign at the top of the box office was Black Panther a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't think we'll be talking about The Wretched as kind of a movie that has uh, made quite an impact like Black Panther. But, uh, I mean, it, it's definitely a funny little thing to note. Maybe this is the next Avatar. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, Avatar didn't really open up just, just incredible numbers, but it just kept reigning at the box office just for weeks and weeks and weeks. So, you know, maybe The Wretched, it's only at about $659,000 worldwide right now. But you give it another year of everybody in quarantine, this could be something. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to call it now, but I'm calling it now. No, I could see that. I mean, uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
uh yeah so there, there's not really anything going on at the box office which nobody really expected it to uh tenet is still somewhat solid on that july release date so we'll i mean we have basically a month and a half uh maybe week more week less but basically a month and a half till we get there so we'll see whether or not the box office really returns in the summer or if we're waiting really till august till the end of the summer season for the box office to come back yeah, it might be a little while. I mean, you said personally you have uh, kind of a smaller independently owned theater opening near you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and even for me, I know that the bigger theater chains around where I live, there's no real independent theaters in uh, the area where I'm at um, uh, currently. But I do know that the government has just approved for drive-in theaters to open up, so I know a bunch of them are gearing up to get uh, ready to open up next week. So, I mean, that that's something. And I, I don't even remember if I've ever been to a drive-in theater, so I think that might be a good uh, experience, definitely, to to check that out and maybe support uh, the Wretched in its uh, crusade to become the next Avatar. Yeah, no, the drive-in by my house has been playing The Invisible Man and Trolls World Tour uh, for the past couple of weeks. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if theaters kind of pull some of what was already in theaters when everything shut down for their opening slates, or if I'm, I'm just really hoping that they get a little more experimental and do some classic movies or movie marathons and whatnot. But you know, that may not be the case. I agree with you. I think that'd be a, that'd be a fun thing to do, like a, like an interesting and uh, entertaining way to celebrate theaters opening up again, playing some classic films I, I, I believe we have touched on this a little bit but i mean i think everything is just kind of um leading towards that july 17th tentative uh, release date for tenet it's funny because christopher nolan has been such a proponent of theaters and and, and going to the movie theater and just that shared experience and a lot of his films i mean he he's able to make hundreds of millions of dollars with his original ideas which is quite rare in uh, film kind of in this day and age but the funny thing is i i think 2020 has definitely set up Christopher Nolan to be like uh like I, I feel like this is almost his 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 dream in a sense because you have uh, the coronavirus hit and and it's tragic and it's awful and they're, they're, the theaters are shut down and, uh, and that part of the industry is hurting but Christopher Nolan seems to be I mean Tenet might be the first big movie so he might be like the uh, knight in shining armor for uh, cinemas i mean it just seems like that's kind of what we're gearing up towards but if if tenet gets postponed then i mean it's it's definitely gonna hurt yeah and especially because it's gonna push you know wonder woman back um because i mean we're losing we're, we've basically lost the summer box office at this point right but tenet is kind of the holdout to kind of keep that alive and really keep everything going after that and i think we'll see august is already pretty full but i think we'll see everything kind of stick firm because you know a lot of the movies are all tentative right right at this point and i think if tenant can hold firm then we'll see everything kind of cement it and we'll get the summer box office in the fall which will be really interesting just to see how everything plays out definitely i mean it's, it's yeah no I, I agree with that i think well, we'll see how it plays out, but as long as people are, are safe and, and there are good safety measures and, and health officials can uh, be sure that, that uh, things go about kind of in a safe manner, then I think that we'll, we'll be good. Yeah, I think so, too. And I mean, I'm excited to see it up on the big screen. I just I just want to get back in a theater, man. That's all, that's all I really want. 
yeah, the withdrawals have definitely, I mean, it, it, it's past withdrawals now. Like, it's just full-fledged missing the theaters. It's just, I'm, I'm just jonesing for even, even <laughs> a bad movie. You know, I will go watch even Rise of Skywalker again. If, if it's playing like i just need this i just need to see something man yeah you you, you just want to know that that theater still exists you know you want you want to you want to know that they're they're there yeah um <laughs> well there was actually another new release this week which i didn't even know it existed until i saw a trailer for it on youtube like the day before it launched um that is the high note which dropped on video on demand um and it's actually had pretty positive critical reviews overall sitting at about a 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but it's Dakota Johnson and Tracy Ellis Ross. And from what I understand, it's a rom-com about a, some people in the music industry, um, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know too much about this movie. I know that I saw the, uh, the trailer for it in theaters, I think back in February and I was, I was looking forward to it. I thought it might be a, a fun little thing. There are a lot of people in there that I like. I know um, I believe ice cubes in this movie as well. And as you said, um, Kelvin Harrison Jr. I mean, he's a he's a he's a great talent. It's kind of nice to see him in a rom com, especially after. I mean, I remember him actually saying that the reason he he went for this movie is because last year he was in in two very serious uh, serious films with Loose and uh, and Waves. Um, so I mean, this is a good way for him to kind of switch it up a little early in his career. But uh, they they were originally going to come out May eighth. Uh, this film in theaters, but dropped on VOD the other day. We'll see how it does. I feel like it it might be another um prime uh test for vod because we've had films like capone we've had films like scoob very different movies i think the high note falls somewhere in between as kind of being a rom-com so we'll see how it performs on vod yeah and i feel like you know some of the bigger successes we've seen with vod so far have been children and family movies i'm just kind of touching on what you're talking about and you know i don't know if we'll see anything that just kind of breaks away outside of that so I'm, I'm just curious to see how this fares because, you know, other movies that were kind of similar to this, like the Lovebirds, you know, moved to Netflix or moved to Amazon. And so it's just curious that for this movie, they chose to continue with video on demand instead of just taking the quick paycheck and selling to a streaming service. No, definitely. Definitely. I agree. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see how it plays out. But it seems like the uh, smart move. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so that pretty much sums up the new releases. Again, there's not a whole lot releasing just because there's not a whole lot to, uh, or not many places to go and see new releases anyways. Um, so we'll move on and, and touch on some of Netflix's top 10. Uh, there's a very exciting, uh, actually two very exciting movies for me on this list. Um, the first one is a movie that we've talked about a lot on the Babel pod. That is Uncut Gems, which landed on netflix in the u.s last week i believe in canada and internationally it's actually been on since like january or february uh but for all the americans it's here i've had a couple of friends watch it for the first time this week and they just text me afterwards like man like i don't what just happened um and now the whole world can really experience the greatness that is uncut gems <laughs> yeah so i was looking forward to i saw this movie like way back at the inception of it back at tiff in september and i loved it and i was i was excited for it to come to theaters in december i remember even in october um one of my local theaters had like a poster for it up but then i found out that netflix was was purchasing the rights for it 
uh, internationally, whereas A24 was going to distribute it in, in the U.S. Um, but ultimately, I did get to catch it in theaters again because a few uh, independent theaters were playing it and a few theaters in uh, downtown Toronto were playing it. So I did get to catch it um, in theaters before it dropped on Netflix in January. But now, finally, um, everyone in the U.S. can can experience this at home. I mean, it, it was quite successful at uh, at theaters. I mean, I think it made $50 million. I, that might be the highest grossing A24 movie in, in uh, North America, sorry, in, yeah, in North America, I think, because it made $50 million in the U.S., didn't really hit theaters elsewhere. I think that is the highest grossing A24 movie, if I'm not mistaken, just in the U.S. Um, but now that it's on Netflix, I mean, it's, it's definitely going to expand its audience and uh, expand its fan base. And, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, this is the movie, I think, that's ripe to become... Uh, sort of a cult hit. Yeah, I think this is a movie that a lot of people heard about when it first came out, but that, you know, whether they just didn't want to pay for it to go see it in theaters or, um, you know, a lot of people were upset by how much cursing there was in the movie. Um, you know, it was kind of on the horizon for people. Um, and now that, you know, it's ac- it's easy to access, most people are still stuck at home. I think this movie's really going to blow up um, kind of in the way like Community has on Netflix within the past couple months. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, first place now, Uncut Gems this week in uh, the U.S. on Netflix. I mean, we'll see if that holds. It probably will. But uh, this is a movie that definitely has, holds a lot of intrigue, I think. And I think there's a lot of um, potentially even replay value in there because, I mean, if you even enjoy it, I mean, if, if you're turned off by, I guess, some of the uh, some of the language in it or just kind of the constant swearing or even just the jarring kind of um, – kind of sound mix of this film you could be turned off by that but i think if, if you get past that or if there are other people that that enjoy that aspect of it like you and i um i think that this is a movie that holds a solid amount of replay value because there's a lot of great moments within it it's quite funny um as well so i think that it, it does hold that replay value and it will continue to hold on uh, to the netflix top 10 for a while yeah, and I think especially as word of mouth just continues to grow with people watching it here in this first week, I think it's it's going to be around, stick around for the for quite a while. And we've seen that with a lot of like these larger movies that have landed on Netflix in the past couple of weeks as well. Um, but I think it's also important to note that uh, Adam Sandler has a hand in the top three movies on Netflix right now. So you got Uncut Gems at number one in the U.S., followed by Just Go With It, followed by The Wrong Missy. Uh, so he stars in the first two and then is producer on the third. So uh, Sandler and Netflix are are making each other happy. Yeah, no, no, yeah, 100%. I mean, I uh, like we, we talk about this man so much, but it's just it's so funny now that that these last five years or so, he's just kind of become Netflix's like like machine. I mean, he like. Like he's just huge now with Netflix, and he has that eight movie deal that he's still trying to get through. Um, there's another uh, Happy Madison movie coming out later this year. Um, so I mean, like he, he, him, and Netflix are now go pretty much hand in hand. Yeah, it's a, it's a match made in. I don't want to say heaven, but it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a match. <laughs> um, other than that. Kind of got your usual spread in the Netflix top 10. We got The Lovebirds, number four, uh, which just released last week. Despicable Me has just constantly been in the top 10, as well as The Grinch. Um, I, I still don't fully understand why people are watching that midsummer. Uh, but the I think the biggest movie that's on everybody's minds is uh, Norma the North, Family Vacation, uh, which has just apparently exploded. 
Oh my gosh! Like Norm of the North. Like this is this is this is like a uh, cult following type type deal here. This Norm of the North stuff. Um, is this the sequel? Uh, this is the third sequel, from what I understand. Oh my god! Like that first uh, movie, I remember. Like I, I don't really remember it that well, but I remember a little bit of it. I mean, it's just so weird that it spawned a trilogy now. Yeah, I remember working at the movie theater when this movie came out, and like we just wouldn't play it half the time because we didn't have any anybody actually watching it uh, when the first one came <laughs> out. It it had a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes for quite some time when it released. Um, I think that's since changed. Um, but this movie was just like horribly bad. But the thing is, they only spent 18 million on the original film, and so it made a box office haul of 30 million, which means it probably didn't lose just a ton of money. Um, but apparently, just like Netflix and all these video on demand uh, services have just run away and given it three sequels because they hate everyone, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 odd. It's odd. It reminds me of uh, the the other film we were talking about uh, with with the dogs. Do you remember the name of it? Arctic Dogs. Arctic it's Dogs. A classic. Yes. Uh, what a classic. Yeah. So they uh, Norm of the North actually had two sequels last year, one in June and one in January of 2019, and then this sequel, which uh, released on DVD in February of this year. And is now on Netflix to many parents around the country's horror. I, I feel like this is like a like yeah, to, to many parents around the country's horror. I feel like this is a franchise that that Netflix should just say, you know what, I'll, we'll fan, we'll finance you low budget, make a, make like a little kid show and put it on the kids section on Netflix or something like that. Yeah, it kind of feels like something that Nickelodeon would pick up and just kind of do exactly what you're saying, just like make. Make a bunch of little, you know, twenty-minute TV show episodes out of it. And who knows? Maybe the uh, Nickelodeon Netflix deal that's coming together will will include that. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Norm of the North. Yeah, but <laughs> that pretty much sums up what's going on with Netflix. Um, not a lot of change outside of those two things. Uh, HBO Max also dropped this past week and has been pretty loaded. Um, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of classics, which is what kind of drew me to it. So they have Turner Classic Movies and Criterion are both part of the streaming service. Um, it doesn't have everything that the Criterion channel has, uh, but it does have quite a bit of the bigger stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of like Bergman. Most of the old Godzilla films are on there. The original King Kong is on the streaming service. Um, it is is actually really loaded. I watched the 1938 Adventures of Robin Hood the other day, and I just had a great time. Like that was just so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I like HBO Max is not in, uh, it's not in Canada, sadly. But I mean, the library that they have just looks incredible. I've seen so many people post pictures of, uh, of what they're watching and what's on there. I mean, it looks good, and I know uh, I, I don't think um, uh, Nolan's trilogy's on there, but I know that. A lot of the other uh, DC films throughout the years are on there. I mean, I think Burton's Batman's are on there, which is something I've always wanted to uh, revisit uh, as of late. Um, but no, th there's a great library on there. A lot of classics. Yeah, so there was actually an issue where some of the stuff that they advertised 
and had and like they had specifically in promos for HBO Max to be available at launch. Some of those movies weren't available, so particularly Nolan's trilogy, um, the second Hobbit movie. So they have the first and the third Hobbit movie on the service, but not the second one. I I don't fully understand that. And then there aren't any Superman movies either, which I think was something that they kind of showed off with the DC Universe service that's also a part of in owned by warner brothers and and a part of hbo max supposedly uh, but a lot of that content was missing as well so they they pulled a lot of the advertisements and claims for that earlier this week when people noticed that you know you couldn't watch the dark night or the desolation of smaug um another thing that uh they have is the the harry potter um all the harry potter films and i remember like as as recent as like a day before um the harry potter or sorry a day before hbo max launched they didn't even have the rights to that so i guess they really did some quick last minute work to uh to um uh, get the harry potter films but that's definitely a big add to the streaming service and i think we saw some of this with disney plus as well and i think disney plus did a little bit better of a job because a lot of these bigger movies that weren't on the service um like i believe that both national treasures weren't on at launch um there were some other movies like prince of persia and whatnot that weren't available at launch um the disney did a good job of saying hey we don't have this but here's the date it's coming and i think it was just kind of indicative of the fact that none of these big streaming services had ever really planned on putting a streaming service together when they were putting these movies out and so the rights were all over the place you know and even a few years ago like Disney's Star Wars movies and the later Marvel movies were all on Netflix because nobody really planned for these production companies to have their own outlet. And so I think that's why we're seeing the gaps that we're seeing right now is just because nobody planned on it. And then suddenly that was the plan and they realized they didn't have access to as much of their content as they thought they would have. Yeah, no, for sure. It's interesting. But I mean, uh, do you think that they, they pose a threat to um, I mean, Netflix, we know, is secure, but do you think they pose somewhat of a threat to other streaming services that are trying to make a play at Netflix? Um, I think not really, because I think like the biggest competition now would be something like Hulu. But, you know, Disney owns that and has packaged that with Disney Plus a ton. Um, I think like more of where you're going to see stuff falling by is some of these smaller like cable channels like Showtime or Stars who just can't compete with, you know, all these conglomerates that are coming together. Cause with, you know, between Disney plus and Fox or Disney plus and Hulu, you have all of Disney and Fox's content for the most part. And, you know, HBO is pulling a lot of Warner brothers and universal. Um, so I think it's going to be these smaller kind of holdovers from the cable era that are going to struggle the most. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that's definitely a good assessment, but they definitely have the library to, uh, to, to kind of flex some might. And I think, I mean, they're 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 definitely going to be successful i'm excited to see what like their first month of subscription total is potentially if they do uh, uh disclose that information but it'll be very interesting and i think the biggest comment i've seen from people with hbo max is you know with netflix you have a, way more content than anybody else um like netflix just has ridiculous amounts of contents that they're either producing and releasing or that they've got the streaming rights to but HBO Max feels a lot more curated. Um, it's a lot more stuff you'll recognize, a lot bigger names, especially with all their classic movies and, you know, bringing in Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings trilogy and, you know, Batman and Superman. Um, and so I think that's going to be 
a bigger appeal is yeah netflix may have more that you can watch but hbo max is going to have more that you want to watch and that you're going to go out of your way to this service to watch yeah no that's a that's a good way to put, good way to put it um yeah so that's hbo max and then i finally finished the james bond marathon this week um and let me tell you that was that was a struggle <laughs> i uh i think i started in december and then the because the bond movies are always being shifted around the streaming services i think they were all on netflix when i started in december and they were all off netflix and then they slowly kind of started popping up on amazon prime and so like i worked my way through it i took a break right before quarantine started because i just couldn't handle it anymore um i know a lot of the people that grew up with bond movies love the roger moore era but i just I was just so bored and so exhausted with all the goofiness. I just couldn't take it anymore. But uh, <laughs> last week I decided to buckle down and watch the final two Roger Moore era films and then made my way all through the Craig films. And uh, I still don't like the Roger Moore era, um, but I really loved the Timothy Dalton era. It felt kind of ahead of its time because it was like really gritty for the mid to late 80s. Um, and it's certainly a lot grittier even than like the Pierce Brosnan era, which is just super CGI'd and just way over the top. Um, like the, the final villain in the Brosnan era has basically created a Death Star. And that's kind of the plot of that movie. Um, but I think like overall, most of the movies were fun. Like they're definitely problematic. Like in the Sean Connery era, there are multiple instances where like he's kissing a woman and then he sees a bad guy coming at him. Um, so like in Goldfinger, he throws this woman that he's kissing into this bad guy's punch. And at one point later in the franchise, he just like throws this woman in front of a bullet and she just dies and he leaves the room. Um, it's like they definitely have their problems, but I think I think most of them are pretty fun. I really love the Dalton era. I think the uh, Craig era was a breath of fresh air, even though I think it's pretty hit and miss because you have Skyfall and Casino Royale. They're way at the top. And then you have quantum of solace and specter that just kind of feel off but I, I think overall i'm glad i watched them all once i probably won't watch most of them ever again but i did it <laughs> congratulations um i didn't realize that there were so many misses in the bond uh bond franchise i, I haven't watched too many of the older movies um i've watched a, i think i've watched all the craig movies uh, i don't know if i've seen quantum of solace but the other three i have um but a lot of the old movies i don't really recall watching especially um especially that roger moore era that people uh so highly revere but i mean it, it might be something that i start but i mean your your uh, kind of rhetoric towards it makes me hesitant <laughs> yeah and i think i think i probably would have enjoyed it more if i wasn't setting out to watch all of them it's pretty daunting you know he's got there's seven roger moore era movies and you know when you're in a marathon you're like all right well i'm looking I'm looking at the whole franchise and not just at this movie by movie. And I just kind of got exhausted with it. And I mean, it, it applies to a lot of the earlier Bond movies is the formula is pretty much the same. Um, but I will say like the music for all, all the movies is really great. Like I always kind of knew there were, you know, songs that came out of the Bond movies that were pretty popular. Like I think live and let die is probably the most popular one. Um, so that was nice. And, and, you know, I, I had fun with a lot of the gadgets and, kind of the the campiness of the action sometimes but you know I'd, i definitely would recommend spacing them out a little bit more 
Yeah, no, that's that's probably a good idea. I mean, right now, no time to die set for November, so I feel like I could even watch one per week. I mean, there, there's probably times you could do do like two in a week, um, and kind of spread it out. I don't know, but I mean, we'll see. It, it it's weird how many misses they have, but I mean, when you have a franchise with over twenty movies, you're you're bound to have a few misses. Yeah, and it's so I didn't watch the first Casino Royale, which is a spoof. Uh, but I did watch Never Say Never Again, which is not part of the canon, but it sort of is. Just because like the Bond movies were plagued with legal troubles, um, basically until 2015 when they finally settled permanently. Um, but it like it came to be that uh, Kevin McClory, who had originally helped write Thunderball, the novel, and the screenplay, like had the rights specifically to that story. And so they got Sean Connery to return uh, like 12 years after he'd retired. Uh, so his second time coming out of retirement. And it's like, it's it's got a very cool shark fighting sequence where it's hard to, like they didn't use CGI. And like, it, you can see him like actually getting up close and fighting the shark. And it's like really cool to watch. Um, but I, I did enjoy that one, even if it maybe doesn't count as part of the franchise, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, so maybe I'll maybe I'll throw that one in there as well, just because it's uh, <laughs> just because it's fun. I mean, you need something a little bit lighthearted uh, to go with all this goofy Bondness. Yeah, I will say the movies that have sharks in them are better than the Bond movies that don't have sharks in them. <laughs> just like you, you turn on the movie and there's one movie that like ten minutes in you already see sharks, and I was like, all right, like I'm here for this one. <laughs> it's gonna be a good time. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been watching this week. And then I just, after watching so much Sean Connery, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Watch that tonight, or watch that last night. It's always a good time. But uh, what have you been watching? Um, so for me, I finished up watching um, the new Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, which is, it kind of chronicles the, I mean, this isn't a movie per se, but it is a miniseries, but uh, it chronicles the uh, 1998, kind of his his last season with the Chicago Bulls. Um, incredible miniseries for sure. I know in the US, it was kind of premiering on uh, ESPN every Sunday. They were showing two episodes a week for five weeks. However, internationally, um, Netflix was releasing two episodes a week for five weeks. So I pretty much wrapped that up and uh, decided to watch Space Jam afterwards. <laughs> um, it's on Netflix here. And I mean, I know that's that's a movie that has such a such a nostalgic kind of uh, following. I mean, I know a lot of people that grew up uh, watching that movie. I mean, they're, they're so nostalgic towards it um, with the Toon Squad and the Monstars. But honestly, watching it now... It's, I mean, I still enjoy it. I think it's funny. It's, it, it's, it's lighthearted. I think it's, it's, it's fine for what it's going for, but I mean, it's a, it's a wacky movie. I mean, you, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's not great. It's not really good, but it is still fun to watch, especially after finishing up with the documentary because the, the, the weirdly enough, uh, Space Jam sort of a biopic with Looney Tunes thrown in. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I can't remember the last time I've seen Space Jam, but I know I didn't see it until I was like, I was still a kid, but more of an older kid. So I didn't really grow up with it a ton. So I don't mm -hmm. have as much fondness as a lot of people seem to have. Um, but I'm sure I'll get around to it when the sequel comes out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the sequel, I, I, the funny thing is, I know that that first one is is a classic even to a lot of people just like it's it's like a childhood classic. But I think the sequel definitely has potential to actually 
and I don't know, I don't want to step on toes here because I, I love, uh, I mean, I, I, like, I love Michael Jordan. I love the, uh, the original. I think it's funny. It's, it's not, not a good movie, but I think it's fun. Um, but I think this sequel has a potential to actually be good in a way because you have Ryan Coogler attached to it. I think he's, he's writing the script for it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't expect it to be great, but I expect there to actually be some potential. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Looney Tunes movies have been pretty hit and miss. You know, I, I kind of grew up with Looney Tunes back in action a lot. And I just caught like 20 minutes of it a couple months ago. And I was like, why did I ever like this? Um, so, so I hope Cooler can kind of bring it to another level. And I mean, you've got LeBron James, Don Cheadle's attack, attached to the movie, I believe. Um, so you've got some some pretty good players there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see if there's a kind of backlash because people are like, no, this is not my uh, <laughs> Space Jam. But I think that it's 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 kind of time for it, especially considering um, the debate is always who who's the greatest of all time between those two. I think that it's definitely it's it's deserving for LeBron James to get um, the leader on the updated uh, Space Jam. Um, so I mean, it'll it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, but other than that, that kind of wraps up what little is going on at the box office this weekend, um, as well as some Netflix movies. If you haven't seen Uncut Gems, check that out. Other than that, we'll be back next week talking about more movies, talking about what we've been watching. And remember, you can always check us out online at moviebabble.com. Mm-hmm.